Welcome back, everyone, to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show in a very emotional day and time in the world globally, where a heinous disease, coronavirus, has taken over many lives and millions across the world. On a very emotional episode of the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, Sebi and Michael Gray dissect a time in sports that we all want to forget. We dissect that and also NFL free agency frenzy. This and much, much more in the week and months in sports that we all want to forget. Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to a very emotional evening here in the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. The coronavirus has taken millions of lives worldwide, globally. The fatalities and the casualties of Asia, Australia, European nations, and others here in the Americas. Our hearts go out to them inside the studios of WNFC live in a very scorchous evening here in the central Florida area. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, coming to you live with heavy hearts. And of course, here in Florida as well, the primaries are going on here as well. The presidential primaries for the 2020 election as well. A a very emotional time for millions of Americans, Mike. And, And I don't think it's just uh, for us, and 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 you look at it in the totality of the of the world, um, I, I think this disease, this quote unquote heinous uh, uh, plague, has taken you know everybody by shock. It sure has, man. And it's um, it's one of those situations where it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we have to go through this, but um, you know, we've risen up from from worse than this, and uh, we we've always come back stronger. From from every adverse situation that the universe has hit has hit us with, and this is just yet another situation right here. You know, you have people uh, uh, losing jobs. You have small businesses going down. You have the stock market that's plummeted. You have you have every all these all these assets that are that that, that are going down the drain right now and, and going through turmoil and tough times right now. But um, this is just another chance to for people to get innovative and creative and grow and and just another opportunity for us to. To, to to bring some positive energy and to really look at ourselves in the mirror and see what what we're doing for ourselves to help greater goods and everybody needs to take care of themselves everybody needs to 
you know, you know, um, take care of their health first. And I think this this situation right here was another reminder of how everybody needs to hone in and, and, and focus on the basics before we can move on. Yeah, definitely. There, our hearts go out to uh, those that we mentioned in our preamble uh, globally. I know right now Americans are are, are freaking out. I, I believe President Trump has already commended an emergency evacuation for everybody to quarantine and stay home with our loved ones. We ask that, of course, everybody continue to practice um, self distancing and and practice high, great healthy hygiene. You know that starts with washing your hands, sanitizing. Um, and, and things of that nature. Uh, I'm not quite sure, Mike, uh, what the whole paper towel thing is. If people are going crazy in stores uh, uh, nationwide trying to get paper towels. My mom is freaking out about that. I'm not so sure what's that, what's the paper towel thing, what toilet paper is all about. But, um, you know, we just urge our Americans to, um, you know, with all our loved ones to definitely, you know, be prepared for the unexpected because I do believe this may get worse before things transition and get better. Yeah, it's all, it's all scare tactics. It's all the scare tactics from the media. And the, the media has a lot of people panicking and, and going berserk um, and, and, th- and throwing these numbers out there and throwing uh, uh, st- strategical numbers out there to really to really scare the masses. And, and, and pe- people are really shook. People are really falling for it and really, and really um, going to these grocery stores and, and, and losing their minds and acting out of control. As far as buying things of that nature, so this this was all this is all uh everything that's going on right now is all um it's all scare tactics. Yep, it's all scare tactics there for sure. But um, you know, it's the the old saying: you rather be prepared than uh not be prepared. So yep. uh, definitely there um as well. I, here's a stat here that I saw on NBA on TNT um with Shaq Kenny and uh, the gang. Um, I believe they had CNN's doctor. Um, extraordinary. I can't remember the young gentleman's name. He came in and, and said a stat that really was key to me, Mike. Um, and, and I think everybody should definitely keep an eye out for this. So this is the COVID-19, also known as coronavirus, is a very heinous flu disease. Now, we all know springtime here in America is flu seasons. Everybody gets their flu shots. Um, and every year for flu shots, Mike, one percent of Americans die, which is you know typical. That's a routine thing that does major wide. With COVID nineteen, also known as coronavirus, ten percent to twenty percent of Americans are dying, meaning that it's ten times as stronger than any regular flu. And I think that a lot of people should take that into account. Yeah, they definitely, yeah, they definitely should. I think it, it really all depends on what it, what it is you want to harp in on. You know, we hear a lot about these deaths and, and people that that have died from the situation, but we have we don't really talk about or we haven't really seen too many platforms put put the perspective of how many people have recovered from this as well. You know, the the numbers that of people that have recovered compared to the numbers of people that have died, uh, the the numbers definitely outweigh each other. So I think I think it's all about you know honing in on the positives and honing in on the situations that you know, people have overcome instead of continuously harping on the deaths. And I, and I know it's a tragic situation for these deaths. It, it's, it's very sad for those families that have lost their lives and, you know, the, and, and to, to this virus. But at the same time, in order to keep the masses mentally sharp and keep everybody at, at ease and, 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 and stop and, and, leave, and leave everybody from panicking everywhere, I think we need to hone in on those numbers of people that have recovered from this, this virus and, um, and, and spread them and spread more positive energy instead of always harping on the on the depths and the negatives about things. 
That's right. Sometimes in life, you got to be optimistic rather than yeah. being pessimistic. Let's look yeah. into the factor of uh, sports, Mike. Um, everything has been stalemated for sports. You talk about um, one of my favorite tournaments that I annually that I look forward to in March Madness. That's completely been canceled. Uh, you hear the majors in Major League Baseball postponing their season, ultimately starting in June. You hear things about the NBA potentially starting on a 30-day hiatus. Now there's talks that that might be up to two to three months, and they might restart the end of the regular season in June. Um, other sports as well, MLS, you, you talk about um, all the other uh, non-power sports uh, nationwide canceling or postponing their events. And so uh, in the world of sports, this has probably been a shockwave for us because pretty much, Mike, this is what we do. <laughs> this, is exact, this is exactly what we do. And this is the first time I can remember us having a hope in all of sports. Since since uh, since, uh, since we started covering sports and it's um it's it's been shocking yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely it, ha- it has to be some unprecedented measures taking place as far as uh what we're gonna do to continue the seasons and things of that nature because you know for for you really feel for some of these college players these seniors that uh won't get a chance to play in the tournament won't get a chance to finish out whether or not they won their conference championship and and just it's a sour taste in everybody's mouth in order to finish a season like this. And then also, all, all, and also for those, for those, for those kids that are in high school that are in route and going to college, and trying to, and you know, they they may have had some some tours canceled or some college visits that are canceled, and it's it's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And then with the NBA, I mean, you have a situation where yes, you might have to push it back to June. There's no way you could you could you, you can't finish that season because not finishing the regular season and then not having the playoffs happen, you're losing millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, it's, it's it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount of money, and um, you know I know the NBA won't allow that, so I'm sure that I'm sure that they're working on a way to continue it in June because I'm I'm also hearing that there's talks about potentially moving the NBA season back uh, to closer to the December anyway, just so they're not competing with the NFL schedule as much as they've been in the past. So this 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 right here, this situation is unprecedented. They. You know, you have to you have to make unprecedented uh, uh, measures when it comes to things like this because this is something that we we this is something the universe could control. This is something that just came out of nowhere and shocked everybody. So you have to make this make some harsh decisions. And I think moving, uh, making sure that you find a way to play these seasons out is, is is a decision that has to be made, even if it is pushed back. You have to play these play this out because it's a lot on the line, not only just for these players but also for the potential and, and in college. If if they're not allowed to come back and play in college, then I think I know the the best scenario should be for these seniors to get another year of eligibility. In my opinion, yeah, it, it's really hard when you dissect both both areas. Um, it's actually interesting. Mark Few and and Coach Calipari, obviously coaches of two of the strongest teams in America, Gonzaga and Kentucky. It was pretty interesting once the reports came out and and Calipari came out and said that. This was disheartening to his players. Now, we all know Kentucky Blue rides a lot of freshmen and a lot of sophomores and not upper enchiline, upperclassmen. But, um, you know, Calipari said something that was very interesting to me. And um, he, he stated to me that every time he's had a team that hasn't had a great superstar and has bought into his system, they've at least at minimum made it to a final right. four. And for them to not only... He he wholeheartedly believes that Kentucky was a Final Four contender and potentially a title contender this year. And to have his freshmen like 
uh, Maxi and Quickly and, and some others not being able to play in, in such a big stage. And the biggest stages of the biggest stages is, is heartbreaking for them. Uh, Mark Few said that, you know, he thought the NCAA should have postponed things and perhaps revisit this and then see if something would have happened and then potentially canceled if things got worse. But, you know, your hearts go out to guys like Obi Toppin, yeah. right? We believe that he's one and done. We believe that he's obviously a lottery pick. Um, we won't see him in the tournament. Guys like um, Yudoka Uzebeki, you know, this is a guy that previously was a second rounder because of, you know, his limitations guarding pick and rolls. But what a year for, for Bill Self's team and also for him, you know, helping his stock and his draft stock and not having the March Madness to elevate that stock hurts him a bit. So you got to feel for these freshmen, the guys like uh, Devin Dotson in Kansas and, and some others. So um, your hearts go out to 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 those college players. I would have loved to see the NCAA kind of postpone things and then revisit it and see moving on forward uh, as well. Because you, you think about March Madness, Mike. Uh, this is this is the best of oh, the best. This to me, that's one of the best sporting events in America. Yep. You know, you, you have the majors, you have the finals, you have this, you have that, but there's nothing that beats March Madness because of the uncertainty, the parity, the moment. Anybody that can come off just a seven to an eleven seed and just come out of nowhere and make a deep run, and so um, it, it's it's a travesty that we won't see that. But on the opposite side, we understand that for the safety of the NCAA, uh, for their credibility, for the safety of the players um, and the programs of those institutions, that that was the right thing uh, to do um, there as well, uh, Mike. But you eliminated something that actually caught my attention, the seniors that didn't get a chance to play in March Madness this year. You think that they do deserve a second chance to come back and to have potentially a fifth year of eligibility. Why is that? Absolutely, because... You know, when when you make when you make a decision like that to cancel at the end of their season, they they didn't ask for this. They didn't ask for this situation to come up from the, from the universe. They didn't ask for this coronavirus to come and wipe away their entire tournaments uh, uh, during the rest of their season. So when when unprecedented measures take place, you have to you 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 have to you have to make some harsh decisions. You have to make some decisions that are aren't usual. But because this happened, we have to move on and move on in a certain fashion. And I believe for those seniors that have put their heart and souls out for these programs and have made have put the NCAA on the map for four years, especially since they've in, in a in a time now on both sides where it's a lot of one and dones for somebody to stick with programs and stick with the NCAA for four years, get their degree and 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 continue to generate revenue for these for these ball clubs. I think you deserve you you deserve you earn you reward players like that with an extra year. When they when they they don't have a chance to win a championship, they don't get a chance to compete for a championship. It's one thing not to win a championship; it's another thing not to even get a chance to compete for one. And I think those seniors deserve a chance to get, come back a following year. If you're not going to postpone the tournament, if you're not going to give them that alleyway and then give them that opportunity to compete for a title, then you then the best thing to do is to give them another year so they can have another crack at it. Yeah, I would agree there as well. The NCAA is actually in talks of that right now as it stands when we look at the nba obviously mike you know you, you mentioned it uh previously there's a lot of things that happens to this there's commercial yep. deal there's endorsements these players individually with their own endorsements um nike to beats to or whatever it may be um and the nba all you know 
the second highest, uh, you know, revenue sports wise in America behind the NFL. Right. They need to earn their money, and for them to kind of postpone this, it 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 it, it, it hurts. And I love what Adam Silver's done, and I would have loved the NCAA to kind of copy what Adam Silver's done. He said it's a thirty day hiatus. We'll revisit this, although they're trying to push it a little bit backwards. But I thought this was the plate way to go. Um, my thing to you, Mike, is is I think they should finish the regular season. I know there's about, what, 18, 17, maybe 19 games yep. left. We should finish the regular season and then potentially push that going into maybe early August um, and, and stuff like that uh, and, and, and start there. And here's why, Mike. There's two things to this. Number one, there's a lot of teams right now, especially in the Western Conference, you look at two through five right now, they're, they're, they're basically a difference between two to three games. You cannot start – you cannot have this hiatus and just jump into Thank the postseason exactly. because there's a lot of teams that are in playoff runs that are looking to play make playoff exactly. runs. The Denver, the Utahs, the the uh, uh, Houston Rockets. So if you were to start off the postseason now, not giving these teams an opportunity to play things out and rather just because of unforeseenable circumstances, start the postseason, I don't think that would be just. You look at the Eastern Conference, you have two through three, three to five, they, they're all jumbled up maybe four or three games from each other. And so I think the NBA, they have to continue the regular season, Mike, and then play things out. And wherever you stand after 82 games, then we can continue to the playoffs. The only way, Mike, the only way I think they should start the postseason is if and truly if this really gets worse. We're in June and we're in August and we're going to have to be competing with ratings with the NFL. Because if you're competing with the NFL, I can assure you ratings aren't going to be good. It doesn't matter if it's the NBA playoffs. It doesn't matter if it's the NBA finals. You do not want a, a, a scenario where the NBA and the playoffs are competing with NFL in ratings, although it's Sunday and things of that nature. But we all know Americans, they're going to choose NFL on Sundays. Millions of Americans have weekends off. And so that's the only way I think that you do not prolong a regular season and you just start the postseason right then and there. If not, I don't even care if the finals go through the first couple weeks of preseason. We got to play how these things out. Your thoughts? Yeah, we do. We have to play these things out. Like you said, in, in the Western Conference, it's so tight. But it's so tight in so many different areas. And, you know, all the way up into the one seed. Like, the one seed is not even a guarantee. You know, the Lakers, the Lakers are sitting pretty pretty nice right now. But, you know, right. at, at any given moment, nothing is guaranteed right. through any of these As it stands, my only only four teams have clinched the playoff start. That's Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee. And- yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. It's just a seeding a seating perspective right now. It's, it's the only thing that's in question. And it's so tight. It's too it's, – it's too, so now you have some teams that's on the outside looking in. They can jump themselves, jump themselves right into the the playoff mix in between these eighteen and nineteen games. It's too much to go. So I, I definitely agree. We have to play this out. We have to play the regular season out, then go for the playoffs and make sure everything's all squared away and stuff like that. But I would agree. Play it out. We we don't have to worry about competing with the NFL because the NFL has already made talks about potentially pushing their season back from from the normal uh, starting time around August September. So. It, it, everything it's like a paradigm shift that's coming that's that's coming right now as far as these you know football basketball and some of these sports that are, are going to start back we might we might start to see a paradigm shift of when 
we usually see NFL start or when we usually see the NBA start. It might not be in October like 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 we used to see in the past for the NBA. It might not be in September for the NFL that we used to see. And this might ha- this might start a paradigm shift of when these sports begin, and you know th- th- this might set a new precedent. Yeah, and I agree. And this is why I've I've said they got to continue things happening. If you think about it, Mike, during the summer, you know. We believe that the 2020 games in in uh, Japan this year uh, for the Summer Olympics, yeah. I think those will be postponed. I think the Olymp the IOC, the Olympic Committee, will probably make a decision and and definitely have to push that. You see, all of the soccer tournaments, uh, summer tournaments, have already postponed their things to 2021. So really, you're basically only competing with Major League Baseball for ratings, and I think the NBA over over top oh, yeah. and so that's why i say you got to continue throughout the summer even if it leads into august you got to continue how the nba season has started you cannot just jump and skip over these last uh 20 games of the regular season there as a player for you michael you're in the nba as a player how how would this feel or wh- what are you doing how you're preparing your body mentally and physically to continue to stay in game shape knowing that at any given time that this hiatus may be up. I'm going to continue my routine. I'm going to continue to work out. I'm going to continue to uh, see if I can find, find find different ways to, you know, reinvent myself. If I have to, you know, work different workout techniques, uh, I might, I might go to, I might go swimming one day. I might uh, do a boxing workout one day. I might do yoga one day. I might, I'm going to continue my routine of doing different workouts to, to work on my body in a multitude of different ways. And, you know, obviously if I can, I'm going to find a gym that's open, continue to get my shots up. Continue to make sure, make sure I'm, I'm in game shape. See if I can find some any runs that are out there because you know you you could do all the shooting and drills all you want to, but if you're not playing, you, you're truly just not getting better. So I'm gonna continue to find some find some people I can I can run with, find some of my NBA colleagues and NBA um, contemporaries that uh that want to get some good hoop, get some hooping in while we're while we're um we're on this little hiatus right now. And uh, I'm gonna continue to work, man. I mean basketball for for an NBA player. Basketball is literally their life all day long. They have no problem playing basketball all year round. So it's it's, it's going to be nothing to find a gym, find some uh, professional ballers that want to get in. It's always some G League guys that want to get in there, some overseas guys that want to get in there and, and get a great workout in or get some get some basketball going. So I'm just going to continue to network and find some any find anywhere I can find some good good basketball to perfect my craft and get ready for this second half of the season. I'm going to do it, and I know most of these players in the NBA are doing that right now for sure. Yes. Breaking news here as we speak. I was just transitioning to the Nets. There's breaking news that four Nets players have been tested positive for coronavirus. Um, the names have not been released yet um, for reports, but um, as it stands, everybody knows you get the first in-depth scoop from us here first from the Sevy Podcast Show. Breaking news. Four Nets players have been tested for coronavirus. Your early thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, man, it's unfortunate. It's up here in the New York area. You know, they're, they're, it's, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, Sebi, I'm up here stuck in the New York area as well right now. They're on quarantine in the New York, New Jersey area. And uh, it's, it's Mike, been, you better stay in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're inside. We're inside. We, you know, we, we're doing our thing. But um, it's it's just it's unfortunate, man. When I when I came from DC, it wasn't that bad in DC because. You know, it was it was it, it, it wasn't too many cases. It wasn't any cases at all, actually, before I came up here. And then when I came to New York, I just saw, you know, man, I saw New York City, everybody masked up with the gloves and everything like that. It was so many precautionaries all over the place, and you know, it's just it, it's big up here in New York City. You know, it went from you know, you know how crazy New York City can get with a whole bunch of people in Times Square. 
Sebi, it's not even close to that right now. Yeah. It's it's a ghost yeah. town in New York City in Manhattan. I mean, it's it's yeah. crazy. So it's just it's one of those situations where it's it's tough, and it's this is a this is an area right here in New York where we they say there's a lot of international airports. So there's a lot of you know intertwining and mingling from different countries and different different perspectives. So it's it's so easy to get to to get this disease in this area because there's so many people from all over the world that travel and come through this way. Yeah, it's definitely there. And speaking of the Nets, uh, um, they're, they're a team that's in a playoff hunt. We're not sure what the names are yet. So from a basketball standpoint, I know that Sean Marks team, they're, they're waiting to see who those names are and wanting to see if they can get them suitable as quickly as possible. And speaking of the Nets, Mike, there's been reports that came out quickly um, early on here. A lot of executives believe when the NBA season restarts again after this hiatus, a guy by the name of uh, Kevin Durant may be able to suit up for the NBA playoffs. And how, uh, <laughs> how, how scary that would be. You're a one or two seed. You've worked all year long to make sure that you get your team in a best position to play a lower seed and find out that number seven wearing black and gray may suit up potentially in a month's time because it'd be a month, uh, 12 months, excuse me, a year from now when Kevin Durant suffered that uh, a significant Achilles. So um, we're not sure if they're going to rush him back, but how would it feel to be a one or two seed and be able, you'd have to play a, a Kevin Durant led team? Yeah, it, it, it would be tough, but you would know in the back of your mind that you're not playing the same Kevin Durant that you, you know, you would have been feared of if, if he had been healthy and he had been in game shape and went through an entire 82 game season. If Kevin Durant was to come back for the playoffs in June, which is highly possible because it would match the 12 months of, of recovery time that he's had since his least his his recent injury last year with the Warriors. So you wouldn't Kevin Durant would be obviously be rusty. He would obviously he, he he his legs would be fresh, but he would be rusty and he wouldn't be in game shape. And I think because he wouldn't be in game shape and he'd be rusty, you you aren't you aren't as fearful uh, if you're an opponent going up against this Kevin Durant because. It's just it's just not the same. He hasn't got the game reps in. He has, he's not in NBA shape per se quite yet. And um, it, it, for Kevin Durant, it would be a good thing because it would give him a chance to get acclimated with these this Brooklyn Nets team on the floor and get some chemistry with them going into next season. But as far as the a one or two seed that possibly would have to go against this Brooklyn team with this Kevin with Kevin Durant, I don't I don't I don't think that they would fear them as much because. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be in game shape, and he wouldn't be quite ready to take on a, a top team in the seven-game series. Yeah, definitely things to watch out for. To dominate potentially <laughs> when uh, the NBA season restarts here. Lastly, before we shift gears here, Mike, um, there's a lot of players that are high usage rates in the NBA. You talk about the LeBron James, yeah. the James Hardens, maybe potentially extra time, oh, yeah. random extra time. Uh, although because of these catastrophic things that have just happened, maybe a blessing for guys like that, um, the Chris Pauls of the world. So as we wind down and shift to the crunch moments of the regular season, extra, extra time off for Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, maybe James Harden, high usage rates, players like that to you. Is that something that bodes well for them as they try to make a playoff? It's run? huge, especially for somebody like LeBron James, who's in his 17th year. Um, it's huge for not only just LeBron, but for the Los Angeles Lakers in the whole, because this is the second oldest roster in basketball, and for for them to get those get this time off and get those legs fresh, I mean, this it's, it's gonna it's gonna bode immense well for them. Uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, this is gonna help them 
tremendously as well. James Harden is one of those guys that, you know, he seems like he carries the load for an 82-game season all, all year long. And, you know, he, he's, he's taking the backseat to Russell Westbrook over the last uh, couple months of the regular season. But, you know, for, the, for years upon years, we've seen James Harden have to carry, the, carry a huge load in the regular season and, and seem to get gassed out in the playoffs. This is going to be huge for him going into a, uh, the, second, the second half of the season and, and trying to make that strong playoff push. For Kawhi Leonard, of course, it's always, it's always good for him to heal up and heal up. <laughs> it's always good for the claw, It's always right? good for the claw to rest up and heal on, heal on, um, and heal because um, we all know how elite he, can, he, he is when, it come, when playoff time arrives. And the more rest he get, the, the, the more rest any of these players get is better. But for certain players, it definitely helps out most, like Kawhi. LeBron, Harden, and guys like that. But um, I think it helps the, the entire Lakers team. It definitely helps James Harden and Westbrook. And, of course, of course it helps Kawhi Leonard because we know Kawhi, playoff Kawhi is, is coming. Yeah, it's playoff time for Kawhi Leonard. They're in playoff mode. The extra rest may very be very good for him um, looking that too as well. Uh, but, folks, do not go anywhere because when we come back, Mike and I shift gears and go to the NFL free agency frenzy, a lot of things, and including a head-scratcher in Houston. This and much, much more in the studios of WNSC. Welcome back here to the Sevy Podcast Radio Show. An emotional time right now worldwide and also with us here as we are quarantined ourselves. Sevy and Michael Gray outside of our studios at WNSC. Mike, and we shift gears now to the NFL right now with shockwaves that happened on yesterday afternoon when the Houston Texans and GM Bill O'Brien made a very uh, head-scratching move, moving their all-pro, and I mean all-pro, wideout, and DeAndre Hopkins. All he's done in the last three seasons is <laughs> only have receiving yards that compare to the likes of a Randy Moss, the likes of Antonio Brown and Jerry Rice. And so they moved that guy in the prime of his career to Arizona and to the hot desert for a second-round pick in return, and exchange for David Johnson, former All-Pro running back for the Arizona Cardinals, although he's been banged up for the last couple of seasons. Mike, I thought this was uh, questionable. I've always questioned the ability of Bill O'Brien to coach him as a strategic, um, as a play caller. And now to have him as GM running things down there in Houston – uh, I'm not so sure about if that's the right move for the Texans. I, I, I was, it was a head scratcher for me as well, Sebby. You know, DeAndre Hopkins has been Deshaun Watson's number one guy ever since he's come in. And, you know, they build a rapport with each other that everybody else that comes in understands that, you know, Hopkins is the number one guy and, you know, everybody else falls in line with that. But, you know, when you take a number one receiver away from a quarterback like this, you know, going into, you know, try, trying to improve as, as a passer and improve, as a league, you need that security blanket to continue to help you. And when now Deshaun Watson is going to have to really grow and learn with these other receivers, and uh, he's really going to have to he's going to have to elevate his game to another level. And because um, it was it was a head scratcher for me. Yes, you get a David Johnson 
running back. So that helps out Deshaun Watson. But the problem with that was, in my in my opinion, was this: David Johnson has been very injury prone throughout his throughout his entire career. The brother is special when he's on the field. He's a top three running back in this league when he's healthy. He's that elite. But when he's that, but he's shown over the over the years that he's been very injury prone and it's been hard for him to stay on the field consistently. So it was a head scratcher for me with Houston. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it, it'll turn out the best. That second round pick, I, I, I'm assuming, and I'm probably, uh, uh, I'm very certain that with that second round pick, they will be getting a top notch wide receiver in the draft uh, this this year. And I, I just I just thought it was a, I just thought it for Houston, it was a terrible move for Deshaun Watson, and I know I know he was had about it. And I, I just didn't, I just didn't understand the the David Johnson pickup because of his injury history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you talk about a guy, the production of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, this guy's special, right? DeAndre yeah. Hopkins and 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 Deshaun Watson, that Clemson c- uh, combination, you know, from the rich franchises, from the rich storied program, from Dabo Swinney, they're playing together. You see the continuity and the damage that they could do. Um, And so to have a guy like that leave because they had friction in the locker room with Bill O'Brien, you know, it's, it's just mind blowing to me what, what the Texans have done. Obviously they picked up Randall Cobb on a two year deal. We'll see if he's the guy that can maybe pick up that slack um, there as well. Also Will Fuller now becomes the number one and and they're going to have to kind of, uh, you know, hope that David Johnson is right because you you are right about that, Mike. If healthy, this guy is 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 really good. I mean, yes. only and and, and that's, this is just a stat here. He is in the discussion with Walter Payton. Anytime you're in the same breath as Walter Payton and Jim Brown in scrimmage yards, as in terms of a pass catcher off the backfield, as in terms of a runner, he's a guy that can give you a legit a thousand yards on the ground and potentially over seven hundred yards through the air as a catcher. So we'll see if he's healthy and he can remain on, on the team. But a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, to me, uh, Mike, you just can't let go. I've always talked about this in sports. You know, if a guy, if you make a trade for a guy in his prime, the team that does that always wins the trade. And there's been evidence through that in every sport throughout all the years, right? right. Like Kyrie Irving to Boston for Isaiah Thomas, Crowder and some other pieces. Uh, they didn't work out, but Boston won the trade. Kevin Garnett, you know, when he got traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves in his prime, along with Ray Allen, that ended up four great years for the Celtics, also winning a championship. There's been evidence throughout all the years. You talk about Oscar Robinson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar getting traded to the Lakers in his prime. You've got guys, James Worthy, uh, later on in his year's career, um, even now, right? You talk about the likes of LeBron James leaving Cleveland. He goes to Miami. Right, although that wasn't a trade, but nevertheless, he was in his prime. Miami still got it because the Cleveland Cavaliers at the time, although they were, uh, uh, you know, small market, they made adjustment. They got that, you know. So in, in every sport, the team that has the ability to trade for a guy in his prime always wins the trade. And when you look at the equation of the Arizona Cardinals, Mike, now all of a sudden, the NFC West may be the best division in football. Right, you got Seattle that's still good with Russell Wilson. The 49ers are fresh off a Super Bowl appearance. The Rams made the Super Bowl two years ago, and now all of a sudden, Cliff Kingsbury 
may be brewing something out there in the desert. The ageless wonder in Larry Fitzgerald, right? They they re-sign and tag Kenyon Drake as an elite player. He's got that breakaway speed if he gets loose. Now you bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, another weapon for young Kyler Murray to go along with Christian Kirk. All of a sudden, I think, look now, you got to start looking at uh, the Arizona. They got something brewing. Uh, these young talents and these young cores surrounded by these veterans like DeAndre and uh, 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 Larry Fitzgerald. Mike, I think we should look out. Yeah, yeah, we definitely should. This is going to be one of the most exciting uh, passes, passing offenses in the league this upcoming season in the Arizona Cardinals. This definitely helps out Kyler Murray. I mean, Ky- Kyler Murray was all over the place, uh, scrambling, scrambling for life last year. He had a very solid rookie season. But uh, with the acquisition of a DeAndre Hopkins, he has a, the opportunity of having, I mean, a major sophomore uh, season, a major second season. And he has a chance to eclipse all the expectations that that uh, that, that uh, people may have had for him. Um, I, I believe we're going to see Kyler Murray unleashed with, uh, like, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins. Larry Fitzgerald is still there, the ageless one. And we tend and to forget, Mike, you, you know, Kyler Murray, for all the scrutiny of he's undersized and stuff, the kid won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he did. He sure did. He showed he showed that he's not afraid. You know, he, he he's he's a gunslinger. He's he, he doesn't he doesn't have no problem. He's not afraid to take chances. Not afraid to go. And um, I think this is going to open up the offense with guys like Christian Kirk and, and guys like that, that that aren't you know the high price names like a Hop, Hopkins or a Fitzgerald. And this opens up guys opens up for guys like him to really uh, like explode and have one of those electric seasons. So Kyler Murray is going to be. All world this year, I expect him to put up great statistical numbers, and uh, it's, it's going to be a show. Yep, and people tend to forget, you know, the Arizona Cardinals still got that eighth overall pick. If they want to do some more damage, Mike, a guy that I like is CeeDee Lamb or maybe a Jerry ah. It's to continue giving them weapons. And, and Cliff Kingsbury said that he wants to revolutionize the NFL to a college-style uh, a pistol option. Uh, 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 you know, a uh, type of offense, and if he can get special players like that and athletes in space like that, look out. Arizona might be a live dog this year to make some noise. Not even NFC West, but as a whole, maybe in the NFC conference there for sure. So, or you might just go the safe route, maybe get an offensive line to protect young Kyler Murray. So they've got some flexibility what they're doing. I like. I question Cl- the Cliff Cliff Kingsbury uh, uh, hiring, but. All of a sudden, in their second season, we seem to see progress so far for these young Arizona Cardinals, Mike, there for sure. Uh, Other things that stood out to me, I thought the Browns got better. Um, They got a chance to have Njoku and Hooper, you know, and and, uh, Steven Safansky, the uh, offense coordinator for the Vikings, now the head coach of the Browns. He wants to be more run heavy, and he wants to have a lot more two tight end sets to go outside with Landry and Odell Beckham. And so for them to have the ability uh, to do that um, and, and to have a guy like Austin Hooper, not only as a pass catcher, but as a blocker to also do that helps them significantly to get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand. I thought the Browns got better. The Browns did get better. The Browns got a lot better. And I, and to be honest with you, Sebi, the Browns got better not only in free agency, but they got better last. they got better at the end of last season. Because they got better through experience of last year, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it's not all. It's not always about the acquisitions of who you bring in or who you let go. Sometimes it's, it's about the fact that you had to, you had to get knocked down to the ground. 
you had to go through that adversity. You had to go through a maturation process in order for you to really taste and really understand what's winning. You cannot cheat this process. You cannot just get a whole bunch of acquisitions and think, oh, now we're a winning team. No, you have to grow with the team. You have to lose with the team. You have to learn lessons with the team. And that's and I think along along with these acquisitions that they got uh, uh, here in free agency frenzy, I think the experience of last year is where they really grew and they really got better. And we're going to see that next year from Baker Mayfield, from Odell, from Njoku, from the offensive line, from the de- defensive players, from the coaching staff, everything. We're going to see an entire, entirely different mentality in Cleveland next year. And I think it has to do with not only the free agency moves that they've made so far, but also the experience that they had of, you know, learning those lessons and losses last year. Another team in that division as well, the Ravens, the rich get richer, right? Obviously, it helps to have young Lamar Jackson in a rookie deal because all of those other monies that you have, you can start playing payers other uh, other places. You add Matthew Judon and you bring in Calais Campbell, uh, a a guy that's an all-pro at that defensive tackle position. We saw what he did with Jacksonville leading them to the AFC title game a couple years ago. Now you add him with Matthew Judon and already elite defense with Earl Thomas and other key pieces. Now Lamar Jackson in that defense. This I thought the Baltimore Ravens got even better as well, Mike. They did. The Baltimore Ravens definitely got better. And um, when you ask somebody like Calais, Calais Campbell, when, when I saw that signing, I think that was one of the most, the most, that was the biggest signing that made the most sense. Calais Campbell is one of those players that fits the Ravens' mystique. He does. He fits, he fits their organization perfectly. I mean, I, I just, I just don't see a, a perfect, more, a better organization for Calais Campbell. He's hard work, hard working, hard nosed. Uh, he doesn't make excuses. He shows up to work every day, and he's one of the more, for, more. He's one of the, uh, the biggest forces that we have at the defensive tackle position in the National Football League, and he's one of the most disruptive uh, players. And adding a, adding a Calais Campbell, adding a Michael Brockers uh, to hone in on that defensive uh, uh, interior, along with already having a Brandon Williams. Yeah, the, the the Baltimore Ravens are going to be hard to run on this year, and they've just added to their um, – I'm, I'm pretty sure that sack total from the interior is definitely going to be high this year, so for sure. Mike, the guy's a fridge. I mean, oh <laughs> he, he, he is unguardable to run against, run. You got literally have to run away from him. You cannot run through this guy. I think Baltimore has significantly got better. And, and, and Sebi, to add to that point, you know, Michael Barkers is one of those guys that, you know, he hasn't, you know, always lived up to expectations that we had from him coming out of coming out of getting drafted. But playing playing with the Ravens organization, that's no nonsense. Playing for that culture, playing alongside a guy like Calais Campbell that's going to help get the best out of you. We might see an emergence of a Michael Brockers because, you know, Calais Campbell is going to get plenty of double teams. Brandon Williams is going to get a lot of a lot of attention. But you but Michael Brockers, that opens up a lot of one-on-ones for you. So I think Michael Brockers can really benefit from playing in this Ravens organization with the Calais Campbell and the Brandon Williams. Yes, 100% they can. John Harbaugh and Ray Lewis says always said, what does it take to be a Raven? Yep. Not a lot of people, individuals can be a Raven. So um, it, that that's just a very special, special franchise to play for. We talked about, and I mentioned in my preamble, Mike, about teams in their prime trading for guys and banking on them, taking risks. And the team that always gets the guy in his prime, although they lose a lot to get him, always wins the trade. And I'm talking about the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. I think Buffalo now sees an opportunity, Mike. They see Tom Brady leaving the AFC East, and now they seem to see the team of the future in the AFC East and having supremacy there. 
they bank on and they go out there to get Stefan Diggs. Now, it was for a stiff price. You talk about a first, a, a third, and a fifth. Yeah. But again, I've always said, if you can get the guy in his prime, you see Stefan Diggs coming off of career year, numbers across the board, receptions, receiving yards, you name it, he's done it. And so he's a guy that can also be a weapon and uh, also – excuse me, uh, special teams with his punt return ability. And so you bring a guy like in Buffalo, a guy like Sean McDermott, who's no nonsense. I think Buffalo right then and there is a live dog to make some noise, not even the AFC East, but also make some noise in the AFC as a whole there for sure. This to me, Mike, puts it all on the shoulder of Josh Allen. Now you've got the weapons, right? Last yeah. season, Josh Allen was the playoff game down there in Radiant Stadium in Houston. He blew up that fourth quarter lead after they were leading over three quarters, that fourth quarter was just disastrous. Now you have a legit number one. You put John Brown outside and you put Cole Beasley inside. You've got weapons now. I think this is now the time we see the maturity and growth of young Josh Allen. Absolutely right. He made some rookie mistakes in that playoff game that really cost him in the fourth quarter. After really coming out the gates and really and, and having and having a, a big lead against Houston early on in the game. He 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 but that but that goes back to what I was saying about Cleveland, that maturation process. Sometimes you gotta fall on your face before you understand how to get back up and really know how to win ball games. And I think learn that learning experience last year, along with the acquisitions that of a Stefan Diggs, of other players that they brought in to to help sure up this Buffalo team along with the exit, the exit of Tom Brady from the New England Patriots. You you have to look at this Buffalo Bills uh, franchise and say they 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 look like the clear cut favorites to win the division outside of outside of possibly you know the Patriots are going to be in the mix. But I think with Buffalo and with what we seen from them last year coming close, and then the, what they brought to the table this year, Buffalo should but Buffalo looks like the favorite in the AFC East. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. There for sure, young Singletary off the backfield. We believe that Frank Court. Maybe it's last season. I like I like what they're building out there in Buffalo. Got yeah. some young cats um, out there for sure. And you look at the other equation, Mike. You would think the Vikings got fleeced, right? Yeah, I would. I, I think so because um, you know Stefan, like you said, Stefan Diggs is in his prime, and um, yeah, I, I know. The, the, I know it wasn't the relationship between the Vikings and Diggs weren't was never. It, it always... was cousins and Diggs. I'm not sure what was the problem. I mean career numbers across the board uh, he's he's not getting the ball and then once he got the ball everything where everybody was eating and everybody was happy so yeah I, I think it was just too many lapses of inconsistency as far as when he would get the ball and when he would not and then you look at a situation like an Adam Thielen who would consistently get the ball no matter what the situation was so I think Diggs was looking at it from his perspective of oh maybe the the Kirk Cousins first year it was a more of a one a dynamic duo between Thielen and Diggs but then last year you saw Thielen was able to get Thielen was getting way more touches and Diggs numbers were dropping uh, immensely. So it, it was it was a lot of inconsistency with who was getting the ball and it just wasn't a, it, was, it was a relationship that wasn't work out. It was it was it was meant to go with separate ways at some point. And, you know, with this with this trade right here, as you can see that they were very desperate to at least get him out of the organization and, and, and get some picks for him. Yeah, definitely. There, one thing we can say that that dynamic duo of Diggs and Thielen will surely be missed in Minnesota. Mike oh, yeah. Zimmer definitely has questions to answer to the media of Minneapolis Star. There for sure. We go to Carolina. We see that Cam Newton. They've given permission to test out the free agency. Mike Matt Rule comes in, looking a guy, a culture guy, looking to change things. Um, but they also add Teddy Bridgewater, maybe a veteran presence, sixty million dollars. Uh, for a three-year deal, 
Maybe he's the guy that that um, comes in and maybe be a mentor uh, to the young quarterback that they have. I can't remember his name at the moment, but uh, Carolina. Kyle, Kyle Allen, I believe. Yes, Kyle Allen, for sure. So uh, where does Carolina come from here? They've got a special talent in Christian McCaffrey. And how good is Christian McCaffrey, Mike? One of three, one of three players, Mike, in the history of the NFL to have over 100 yards receiving and over 100 yards on the ground. Yeah, yeah, Chris McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the league right now. And last year, you can make the argument he had the best. He was the best running back in the league last year based off the statistical numbers that he put up for the season. The Carolina Panthers are in um, are in a, in a great situation because uh, Teddy Bridgewater is a, is a is a very comfortable quarterback. He's a starting quarterback in this league, and he's somebody who will compete for the for the job. And uh, it looks like they're they're forcing the Cam Newton's way out. I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater puts them in a good place, but I'm not happy with how the Carolina Panthers handled this entire situation this morning. You come out, and the first story you put out is that. You know, the, uh, uh, Cam Newton and, I, and the Panthers are mutually agreed that um, to seek a trade, and then Cam Newton comes out and denies any denies that entire stance and says, "I didn't. I I never asked for that. I never asked for a trade. I never wanted to seek a trade." And then all of a sudden, you look up Teddy Bridgewater with the Carolina Panthers comes in. It's almost like it's it's it, it, it basically. The Panthers gave him permission to seek a trade. Kind of threw him under all the of, bus, Mike. Kind of threw him yeah, under the bus. Yeah, threw him under the bus. They, they 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 gave him permission to seek a trade, and then all of a sudden they they showed the reason why they gave him that permission by signing Teddy Bridgewater. To Sebi, it's almost like dating. It's almost like dating somebody, and then that girl tells you all out, out of nowhere, "Oh, you, you, I give you permission to go see, so go 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 explore the world and find somebody else out there." And then all of a sudden, you look up. That same day, you see why she said that because she's she's messing around with somebody else. It's one of those. <laughs> it's a messy situation, real, and I just didn't like how it was handled. It's it's almost like we can't we can't talk as men to each other. You can you couldn't pull Cam Newton to the side and say, "Look, we're looking to move on from you. We want to sign Teddy Bridgewater." No, you had to go behind his back. I just didn't like how they handled that situation. But from perspective on the field, Teddy Bridgewater is somebody that can uh, that that Teddy Bridgewater Christian McCaffrey combination can be deadly down there in Carolina for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely there for sure. He's a guy that Cam Newton, uh, I've, I've always loved. And, and I think Cam Newton, it, it, this hurts him. You know, he he loves Carolina. This is a guy, yeah. let's not even talk about what he does on the field, former 2015 uh, NFL MVP, but and took him to the Super Bowl. But this is a guy to me that for the community of, of Charlotte, you know, outside of the baby, perhaps, this is a guy that um, gives back a lot and, and, this is a guy that gives his heart out to the souls of, of Carolina. You think about the the notion of keep pounding, keep pounding. That represents the whole mantra of Cameron Darrell Newton. And for them to do that is it, it, kind of a, a slap on the face. But a, a guy like that, to me, it, it, he can still play if healthy. Last seen with the Carolina Pack, Panthers, they were 6-3. and three, And all of a sudden in that playoff run, and then everything went down the drain when Cam got hurt. And so... I think if you're a team out there looking for a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, Cam Newton is still a guy, although there's question marks about his mechanics and his accuracy. This is a guy that can still be very productive for any franchise. And he definitely can. And, I, and it's a couple of teams out there that I definitely I, I, I definitely can see him uh, contributing heavily to. I think right now with, with everything with Carolina's going on, it's time to change. It's time for a change of scenery. You know, you, you've, you've had a, a, a nice time here at Carolina. You guys have accomplished a lot over the years. But I think it, right now they're already showing you that they've moved on. It's time to get out of there. It's time to move on. It's time to get a, a, new, a new opportunity, a new chance somewhere else to show what you can do because Carolina has obviously shown 
that they, they they don't want you. They they want to move on from you. And so 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 Cam Newton definitely has the abilities and definitely has the motivation and the and the game to continue to propel and have and still continue his career and ha- and have an illustrious career at that. The, the brothers the brothers the brothers big time. When he, when he's healthy and he's on the field, he he's 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 one of the uh most uh elusive threats that we have at the quarterback position. So I'm I'm very intrigued to see what team he can go to. I, I me personally I would love to see him on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow, wow. What would that be? I mean, you get to see the Carolina Panthers twice a year down there yep. in the NFC South. And speaking of the quarterbacks, Mike, we all know this is a quarterbacks league. Um, I want to focus on the quarterbacks here, uh, the free agents ones there as well. Some have already been done. Uh, Marcus Mariota now goes to John Gruden out there in Vegas. I think that's a great fit for him. Marcus is a is a system guy. But what I like about him, Mike, is he doesn't turn the ball over. And a guy like that, I think Gruden can mold. I think Gruden is a guy that can definitely help him to mature in, in a place. And, and and he's another guy that's given his heart out there to Tennessee, now giving Max Dollars to Ryan Tannehill, who's obviously going to be the quarterback in the future. This is a guy, to me, that is not only going to be able to mature, but we're going to have a very, very competitive quarterback, uh, 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 you know, duel between him and Derek Carr, I think Gruden wants to move on from Derek Carr. So I think Mariota makes sense there um, in, in, of course, uh, the black and gold. Now all of a sudden, not in Oakland, but now they're in Vegas there for sure. And Phillip Rivers um, in, in Indianapolis. Obviously, yes. that's Peyton's home, right? You can never do what Peyton did, but great offensive line, young players. You got Marlon Mack, you still got T.Y. Hilton and some other uh, key pieces. Phillip Rivers, for all he's done, I mean, statistic-wise, maybe the, a change of scenery is what he needs. And now he's in a dome environment, not outside all those times. Maybe that helps him later on in, in, in his career on a one-year deal there for sure. But let's play this game. I'm going to name a guy, and you tell me where you think he'll land. We'll start off with Cam Newton. We've been talking about Cam. You mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why? Uh, it just seems like a perfect fit. You have, a, you have a, a big threat receiver in Mike Evans who could take the security blanket away from you. And then on top of that, you have the dual threat, the dual of his legs. You have a, de- a defense that's on the rise we, that has some young stars. And you just have a young up-and-coming team that's starting to formulate together. And you could be that missing piece that could push them over the hump to possibly either win the, win the division or get into the playoff hunt and be a contender in the uh, NFC. Wow, wow, wow. Cam Newton. I'm going to disagree there, but not, not for the, not for the um, points that you made. I'm going to go to the Windy City. I, I think that the Chicago Bears are looking for a guy. Now, this sucks because we they gave up a lot for Mitchell Trubisky to find up to get to that two spot. You missed mm-hmm. out on Deshaun Watson. You missed out on guys like Patrick Mahomes. Yep. You pass up on all those guys in the 2017 trade. But I think the Bears, it's time. You've got an elite defense, a historical defense, led by one of the generational talents in Khalil Mack. I think a guy like Cam Newton. You know, their physical team, Matt Nagy wants to run the football. And and I think that's what Cam does best, right? You have a guy like that. You got the human joystick and Cohen. And then you got some talent. Allen Robinson can still play. Zach Miller is still a, a competent tight end. I think the Chicago Bears, they need a guy that can not turn the ball over and only get them to 20 points. Because I think if they can get a guy that can not turn the ball over and they can at least score 20 points, that defense will take them home. Yeah, definitely, for sure. That, 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 that would be a great pick 
that'd be a great fit for Cam Newton to come to carry, uh, Chicago because you're right. They need a threat at the quarterback position, and Mitchell Trubisky has shown that he's just not he's not it. And uh, you're right, that defense got even better with some of the acquisitions they've made in the last couple of days. So, um, yeah, Chicago Chicago would be a great fit for Cam Newton for sure. How about a guy like Andy Dalton, right? We assume, assume obviously, they're going to get Joe Burrow. They locked up franchise tag A.J. Green. He's not going anywhere. So right off the bat, congratulations, Joe Burrow. You've got your number one target and A.J. Green back. So we assume that Andy Dalton will test the free agency market for sure. Where a guy like that can land? Wow. Andy Dalton, I could possibly see him landing in Miami. You know, I know they have a quarterback controversy right now. Well, they don't have a quarterback controversy, but, you know, I, I know they don't look at the, at Ryan Fitzpatrick as the foreseeable future. You know, it's your, they have him right now. But I, I, I think Andy Dalton, somebody that, you know, with weapons and with a certain cachet, a certain team, a certain cachet, like that's ran by Brian Flores and somebody like that can help resurrect his career because he just didn't get it done in Cincinnati. But Miami is somewhere, the, 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 the type of culture that's being built in Miami I could see Andy Dalton going down there and with the weapons around him, making some things happen. Yeah. I'm going to say, Mike, I'm going to say the New England Patriots. I'm going to stay in mm. that division. And here's why. We've seen this before, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Castle, Bill Belichick, even Jacoby Brissett to an extent. Bill Belichick getting the best out of less, right? Not the Tom Brady's, not the high talent. The, the problem with... Andy Dalton has never been talent. He's thrown for 4,000 yards. We've seen him get his team winning divisions with the Bengals, making the playoffs. Only thing is success in the playoffs, right? All those times under Marvin Lewis, now, uh, uh, you know, Zach Taylor. And so now with a guy like Belichick, arguably one of the greatest coaches ever, I yeah. think he can get the best out of Andy Dalton. And if Andy Dalton can resurrect his career to anything that he had before he had that injury, I think that the Patriots may not be that championship, you know, dominant team that they were in the past, but they can still be one of those teams, maybe hovering around that wild card spot if he can be the best version of Andy Dalton. Yeah, he definitely could be, and he would be the best version of himself playing with under Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick, like you said, knows how to get the best out of his players and knows how to put them in position, the best position possible for them to be successful. The New England Patriots would be a great fit for Andy Dalton. Yep, and also Josh McDaniels was there uh, working coincide with the quarterbacks there for you as well what about a guy like Jameis Winston right uh, we see the Bucks now they're preparing I think Bruce Arians is about done with uh turnover James get Jameis Winston career years right 30 yep. and th 30 TDs balled out but Mike the 30 picks and so yeah. we that first QB to ever do that in NFL history and so to <laughs> you a guy like Jameis uh, he's got the talent Mike you he's got the arm um, at times you see he make throws that you're like, wow. But then he's a gunslinger, right? Like a, like a Brett Favre. He makes throws in ill-advised situations and triple coverage. So on a guy like that, where can we see him land? Oh, I, I, I'm going to go with the New England Patriots for all the reasons you just mentioned about Andy Dalton. You know, I think Bill Belichick is one of those guys that he can he can bring the best out of Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston has... has has had one of those careers where you see the potential, but there's something missing as far as like as far as the discipline or the the discipline of focusing his game to lock in on certain players and things of that nature. And the 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions pretty much sums it all up about the career of Jameis Winston so far. You pair him up with a Bill Belichick, someone who can put him in, put him in a great position. I think he will bow well in New England. Yeah, 
might might bode well uh, there for sure. Uh, a guy like me, Mike, I, I think he'd be a great backup. I think he'd be a great backup for maybe a young guy. I, I It's just hard for me to see Jameis Winston continue to be a starter, given the fact of uh, just the turnover guy that he is. Um, I, I see the New York Jets as a good fit. Now, I don't believe he'll start over Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, I, I, I still believe in this guy. Third overall pick, he's got all the intangibles to be an elite passer, especially in the pocket when protected. But if you can have a backup uh, to Sam Darnold, maybe a guy that can mentor him, look at that playbook. Always be ready. If anything were to happen for the New York Jets and Sam Darnold goes out, maybe uh, for <laughs> Mono or something like that to step in. I think Adam Gase and, and, a, and a guy like that can definitely come in. And Adam Gase is still a very good guy that can coach quarterbacks. His days with, um, excuse me, his days with Ryan Tannehill in Miami, of course, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So I think Jameis being a student behind Darnold and Adam Gase makes sense to me. Yeah, it would. It would. Absolutely. I, I don't mind that pick. I don't I don't mind him going behind Sam Donald because Sam Donald is emerging as one of those one of those quarterbacks for the future that the, the Jets really, really have faith in. And um learning behind that system and learning behind what he does as far as the reads. He's a very mature quarterback for his age. And I think even though Jameis has years on him, he, he can learn a lot from Sam Donald as far as some of the, the reads that he makes and the maturity that he has inside the pocket. So, yeah, it would be a good fit in New York. Right. Of course, Drew Brees, uh, two years, $50 million, yes. Mr. New Orleans. Uh, we don't, we didn't expect him to leave anywhere. Although Zion Williamson is the buzz of the city. But you talk about Drew Brees and number nine for what he's done off the field. Katrina being with the team, winning their first Super Bowl in 09 to heartbreaking uh, playoff, uh, uh, you know, uh, passes these last three years. And one can say Drew Brees might have been to a Super Bowl in these last three years, but yeah. he comes back home. They want to do it again. And I think Drew Brees with Sean Payton, that continuity, you're always in conversations to come out of the NFC. Always. You always. With Drew Brees, Drew Brees is one of those quarterbacks that you always have a shot to uh, to be in contention of winning a championship with when he's on the when he's on the field. He's been that consistent throughout these his career. You know, he's he's been a catalyst for a lot of this New Orleans Saints a lot of their success over the years. And uh, he's a Hall of, he's a future Hall of Fame first ballot quarterback that, you know, he's, he's in the latter part of his career, but he can still get it done. And you put, you keep continuing to put so, uh, certain pieces around him. Uh, I know he's, he's going to, he's going to keep on gunning for one more championship before he goes out. Yeah, definitely. That for sure. And now Taysom Hill becomes the backup now due mm-hmm. to Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina, their division foe. And of yep. course the creme of the creme, Mike, Tom Brady, right? Thomas Bartholomew, James Brady. Earlier on today says that he's parting ways with the New England Patriots. 20 years, two decades. You look at it, it's kind of like Kobe's career, Mike. The first 10 years, if he retired, that would have been perfect for a Hall of Fame. That would have qualified for a Hall of Fame resume. The last 10, right? Qualified for a resume. Three Super Bowls in his first 10 years, three more in his last 10 years. So, I mean, this guy, there aren't enough words or superlatives to limit how great Tom Brady is. Um, off the field, a celebrity. Now I think it's it's a new chapter in his life, right? There's a whole notion he can't win without Belichick. And I think that's that's Brady's thing that, you know, I was a system guy. You know, we had we had a great defense that helped us win championships early. But when that all went away, I was the guy that carried this team. But 
it's not seen as that. Belichick's at all the credit. So there's a new chapter for Tom Brady, right? Now the kids are older. You know, they have an, a say-so of where they want to stay, right? Do I want to go to L.A.? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? So to you, Mike, the best fit for Tom Brady in the next chapter of his career. The Los Angeles Chargers. It just makes the most sense. You know, Brady already has a home in L.A. He's already stationed out there. And then uh, you got the Chargers getting rid of Phillip Rivers. They're in much in dire straits of a quarterback. And to be honest with you, Sevy, I believe this this uh, uh, L.A. Chargers team is a quarterback away from from being a Super Bowl contender. I, I mean, if you look at the roster around this team, defensively, uh, at every position, offensively, they stack up well against any team when they're healthy. <laughs> and with the Tom Brady on this team, being able to learn the system, I, I feel like this team is a Super Bowl cont- contender with Tom Brady at the helm. Well, Mike, you know, this this is hard for me to say farewell. 20 years of greatness. <laughs> 20 years of greatness for you. But um, I would agree. I'll give you two teams. Uh, the first one, I think the favorites are the Los Angeles uh, Chargers for the points that you made, right? Uh, already elite defense. You got the tandem of Bosa and Ingram on each side. Casey Hayward, a lockdown uh, a cornerback. And then, of course, Derwin James, your hybrid guy. He could play corner and he could play safety. And yep. he's damn good in both of them. And he could... Uh, also play in the line of scrimmage and, and, you know, stop the run, get after your quarterback, just your hybrid Tyron Matthew, Earl Thomas, he just flies around everywhere. So a guy like Tom Brady, he got Eckler, you've got Kenan Allen, you've got Hunter Henry, was a young piece. I think they've got weapons everywhere. That was a big thing for Tom Brady, not having weapons. You go to L.A., already championship team, uh, uh, ready there. My only concern for them is two things, Mike. You got to play that bad man and Patrick Mahomes twice a year in that division. That's one. And two, I have concerns in that offensive line. Brady's 43. You got yeah. to have pieces to kind of protect them. Um, so yeah. that's, that's, that's the only two concerns I have. But I think LA is a great fit for them. And of course, it's Los Angeles, right? Who would not like Los Angeles? The other team, Mike, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Tom Brady. And here's why yeah. I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Tom Brady, right? You come to Florida, no state taxes, right? Beautiful weather, tropical weather, right? And you've got weapons, right? And when you talk about weapons, you may have one of the best tandems in the NFL and receivers. Chris Godwin, over 1,300 yards receiving. Yep. Mike Evans, I think the league knows what type of damage Mike Evans can do. O.J. Howard, a legit 6'5 tied in uh, there. Now, they might need to get a, a running back. We've seen Tom Brady do well with just running backs that can be able to pass and catch off the backfield and an emerging defense led by Devon White, fifth overall pick last year. And Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, that continuity, I think, can work. We've seen what he did later on in his career with Carson Palmer in Arizona. We've seen what Bruce Arians did with a young uh, Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. I like Tampa Bay as well in this. I would still give the nod to Chargers, but Tampa Bay is a live dog to be able to lure Tom Brady from New England. That's a great pick. That Tampa Bay move would be great for them, for for Tom Brady. And I, obviously, I'm, I'm, I agree with that Chargers pick. Uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, really. It's, it's so many. It's, it's to be honest with you, Tom Brady could really go in a lot of different places right. and and dominate. But with this Chargers, I, I'm going to go to your point about the offensive line. When it comes to offensive line, I don't think it has to be the strongest because Tom Brady gets the ball out of his hands so quickly. No, that, does he, Mike? He that, does. That, that, that you know, you three step dropping, 
you you don't you don't have to be the strongest or you don't have to be the best offensive line fam. He's proven that he can dominate with the the the, the, the mid the mid to below average offensive lines because he gets the ball out so quickly. And I'm sure the Chargers would adjust to that. Or any team that any team that Tom Brady decides to go to would adjust to that system of you know keeping keeping that ball hot out of his hands quick, not making sure he's not holding on to the ball too long. Because like you said, he doesn't need to be taking too many hits. Yeah, he doesn't have too many hits as well, but um, definitely there. You always got to worry about Patrick Mahomes facing them twice a year, but I that's think that's a that's a great fit for them. I also like Tampa Bay as well. Um, you got to face Drew Brees twice a year, but you know what? I, I think that's... that NFC South is wide open. Um, anybody from you know the the Carolinas to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they were to get him to the Saints, it's a wide open division. I don't think there's any team that's far superior than one another unless you're the Atlanta Falcons, Mike, and that's where we move on next. I think they're cleaning house. You get rid of Vic Beasley. Uh, you get rid of uh, a Devontae Freeman, and you let him go. What are the Falcons are doing? Rebuild mode, Sebi. This is a classic rebuild mode. You know, you look at the season that they had uh, last year. Uh, they, they want to clean house. They want to get out of here. They want to continue to to build a different way. They want to gain cap space so they can build young and continue to, to work forward to push push towards getting better every single day because, you know, at the end of the season last year, you just saw that this team wasn't the team that we expected them to be. I picked them to win, to win the division last year uh, coming into the season, and they, they came out the gates and had a, a, a very bad start to the season. But they picked up the end of the season very well and, uh, and started to perform a lot better. But this is the rebuilding stage. This is the process that they've been trying to head towards the last couple of years, but they were just trying to see how long they had with that Super Bowl window with this team. And once they realized that that window has closed with this collection of players, it's time to move in and get some new pieces and see where we go from there. Yeah, definitely there for sure. As we close down, Mike, today, any team that made a, a, a splash, but that's we're not talking about, maybe like a dark course, a sneaky, sneaky pick that they did, but we're not talking about in, in, in this free agency. Yes, I'm going to go with my New York football <laughs> giants. We, we, made, we made a big splash uh, this free agency. I was very impressed with Dave Gettleman in uh, these first couple of days of free agency frenzy. You had, you know, you, you addressed some of our early needs right away. You, you get one of the top cornerbacks in the uh, free agency, and James Bradbury, you signed him to a three-year, $45 million uh, contract. He's a guy that has been very impressive in man coverage over the last few years for Carolina. And he's somebody we needed to boast on our team. He's not, you know, he's not the he's not the best cornerback in football, but he was one of the top rated cornerbacks in free agency, and we needed to address that need. Also, signing Blake Martinez, the linebacker from the Green Bay Packers. We needed right. a we needed a middle linebacker in order to, you know, help in run support, but also to help be the anchor of our defense inside amid the release of Alec Ogletree. And you know, who better than to get the person who's had over 140 plus tackles over the last three seasons? And that and Blake Martinez, although he's you know he struggles in coverage skills, his his coverage skills aren't that great. And that's what Green Bay that 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 was one of the the, the knocks that Green Bay had on his game. Um, he definitely helps our defense and he gives us that anchor that we need in the middle. And also being able to franchise tag Leonard Williams, I love that move. I, I love the I love the pickups keeping him because he doesn't wow you with the numbers, but he's disruptive inside and he really makes plays and that he doesn't get the credit for. His stats don't really tell the story about how good Leonard Williams really is. He's a baller. And also bringing in Le- uh, Levine Toy Lolo, the tight end from the, you know, he played for the Falcons. He's played for the Lions of the years. He played for the 49ers. This is a special tight end right here. He's, um, he, he, he'll help complement. He's a 6'8 guy. He'll help complement Evan Ingram. 
you know, he's he's the opposite of Evan Ingram. He's more of a blocking tight end. But he can go out with all the with the weapons that the Giants are gonna have offensively with Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton. You get you take you take you have all the attention on those guys, and all of a sudden you get the match. You can get a one-on-one matchup in the red zone or anywhere with the Levi and Toy Lolo. That that can really make things happen. I love what I'm seeing from the Dave Gettleman so far in free agency, and I think the New York Football Giants are heading in the right direction. Uh, they're heading into the right direction as well. I'm gonna say this South Beach right here. I'm staying in Miami. I thought they did something very good, Mike. Byron Jones, they paid a lot of money for him. Highest paid safety now, five years, 82 mil. They needed a safety. They needed a thumper. Mick and Fitzpatrick, their first overall pick, they weren't paying him nothing. But obviously he left via trade, and we saw the production he had with the Steelers this year. So they needed a guy that can come in. Byron Jones, very productive with the Cowboys. I think he'll surely be missed. And they're also in contention and the favorites to get Melvin Gordon. I think they will get him. He hasn't signed with anybody yet. So I think Miami is making some low-key uh, uh, splashes as well. They also signed Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. Ryan this guy from New England. Shaq very Lawson. productive. Very, yep. very productive guy as, as yep. a linebacker. So Miami, to me, um, you know, they're in rebuild mode as well, but they're trying to build a culture that Brian Flores wants, and he's getting the players that he wants. He sure is, and they made some big moves. Just Shaq Lawson. Guys like that, they made some big moves defensively to bring a certain culture. They they might not have all the uh, pieces to se, but at least they have a, a strong veteran. With those three defensive players that they've signed, they, they've shown that they have a strong veteran presence on that side of the ball, and that's going to bode well for this team moving forward. Yeah, I think it'll definitely bode well for these guys moving on forward. Miami there as well. And not only that, that helps them. If they want to get one of those free agency guys that's yep. in the market out now, um, you know, that's looking for a new home as a free agent there as well. And that's all, folks, for tonight. And a very emotional, emotional time for all of us here. Coronavirus everywhere, COVID-19. The likes of Rudy Gobert, the likes of Donovan Mitchell, and others worldwide. We want to say so long for now. And be careful inside the studios. Outside of our studios, excuse me. WNSC. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast Experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.